0: And uh, the kingdom of God is uh, at hand. It's within your reach. But you got to actually reach for it. you got to knock on the door to have it opened up to you. And in order to do that, you have to kind of do what Christ said to do. And uh, we were told, of course, to love one another. And he was just quoting Moses when he said that. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And uh it's just simply not love to covet thy neighbor's goods. As a matter of fact, it's a violation of the Ten Commandments. I got up a little bit earlier this morning than normal. Uh, it was about 4.28 when I came out. And uh, I uh, decided to sit down and uh, go through Deuteronomy 5 and uh, improve our page on De- Deuteronomy 5 in the Bible that we have at preparingyou.com. You can go to PreparingU, Y-O-U dot and uh, look up Bible. And uh, there's a template there that will show you all the different books of the Bible. And you click on Deuteronomy, and then Deuteronomy 5. And you can see what we, or what I put together this morning... And it has links to a lot of other articles because Deuteronomy 5 uh, covers the Ten Commandments. And uh, people do not understand the Ten Commandments. And so I went through that and created a side panel and added a lot of different links. And uh, might do the afternoon program on Deuteronomy 5 uh, to... Uh, Kind of, you know, we've done a lot of recordings on the Ten Commandments. Most people don't understand what the Sabbath is. we got whole religions and denominations that aren't doing what Jesus said, but they're keeping the Sabbath. Or at least they think they're keeping the Sabbath, when in actuality they're not keeping the Sabbath because they think the Sabbath is about a day. It's about counting to seven in your week and taking a rest On the seventh day. Uh, But that's not what the Sabbath is all about. (laughs) The Sabbath is about uh, a way. And that, of course, is what all the Ten Commandments is about. It's about the way of Christ, the way of God, the way of Yahweh. And the way of Yahweh includes this idea of Sabbath where you work first and then enjoy the fruits of your labor, which would include some time to rest. And if you're borrowing against your future, borrowing money or borrowing uh benefits uh, that you're going to have to pay back, or maybe your children are going to have to pay back, um, then you're not keeping the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is about debt. It's about working first and then taking your rest. And that's all it's about. It isn't about magical counting of days or anything like that. Now, that that's really should be kind of what I call a no-brainer. I mean, it's just kind of obvious. But people want to turn religion into rituals and ceremonies. And, you you know, like you... You do this little thing and you do that little thing and God's happy. Well, if that were true, then I guess it was a good idea to pile up stones and burn up sheep because evidently that made God happy. But if you piled up stones and burned up vegetables from your garden, that didn't make God happy. But, of course, that's nonsense. It never was about piling up stones and burning up sheep or burning up vegetables. It was about the way in which you took care of one another. The way in which you loved one another. And you can only love one another when you're not coveting your neighbor's goods and, and contriving or conniving in systems of welfare and government to take away from your neighbor so that you can have more stuff. That's simply not love. That's, that's the no-brainer part. But if you think it has to do with piling up stones and burning up sheep, which there's nothing in the Bible about doing that, okay, now people are going to say, oh, yes, there is. I read it in there that we were to pile up stones, unhewn stones that fit together. Those are metaphors. Those are symbols. Same as it was that we were to cast our bread upon the waters. That doesn't have anything to do with going down to the lake or the river or the pool and sending tortillas careening across the top of the lake to cast our bread upon the waters. It's not about feeding the ducks. It's about taking care of one another, loving one another, giving choice to one another, allowing our neighbor to make a choice, the same as God Allows you to make a choice. And God allows you to eat of the tree of life. Or if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in other words, try to decide for yourself what is good and evil instead of following the direction of the Holy Spirit, the Rosh Hashanah, the tree of life, you're gonna, you're gonna end up dead. Uh, because that's the wages of sin, because it's a sin to assert the authority of God and decide for yourself what is good and evil. You should just know what is good, and you will know what is good if you eat of the tree of life. You don't have to decide for yourself, and you certainly don't want to hire other men to decide for you what is good and evil. And make you comply, mandate that you comply with their will. And, of course, if you've given them the power to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, then you have also given to that God of this earth the power to force you to give to your neighbor's welfare. And you no longer have the choice to do what God said to do. You have to do what the gods of the earth. Tell you to do. Now I went through that. And if you're a new listener. You probably didn't follow all that. Which is why. I've gone this morning. At 4.30 and started. Writing on Deuteronomy 5. to so you could understand. The Ten Commandments. And I. I just put it briefly there. A small. Little deal on the side and turned uh, several of the words that you find in Deuteronomy 5 into links where you can uh, go to other articles and find out what iniquity means because iniquity is mentioned in the New Testament a lot. As, as well as some of the Ten Commandments are mentioned in the New Testament and keeping the commandments and all the commandments, all the commandments hinge on two ideas. To love God, this is in God being the creator of you, the creator of the universe in which you sit and stand and walk and breathe, and to love your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments hinge on that. So you go tell me how you taking Saturday off is loving your neighbor. You know, putting your children into debt By trillions and trillions of dollars and putting your neighbor's children in debt by trillions and trillions of dollars is not love. That's a covetous practice. You not only desired what your neighbor has now, you desired what your neighbor's children might be able to have in the future. And you did all this while you were going to your churches and keeping your Sabbath and genuflecting and making your signs of the cross and uh, singing your hymns. You went into debt. You put your children in debt. You've gone back to the bondage of Egypt. Actually, it was interesting that uh, I did Deuteronomy 5 because my son was going to go to a Bible study early this morning. He left about Six, and he took a, one of our ministers with him, and actually he took my grandson with him too, I think. And uh, they went to uh, a Bible study in a nearby valley. And uh, he had a meeting there in the nearby valley uh, with uh, the constituencies because people wanted to raise the tax levy. It's around $18 per thousand or something like that. I don't know. And they want to raise it up to uh, 20 so some. And, I mean, it's it's not percentage, but, of course, we're already paying far more. You know, the bondage of Egypt was 20% of your labor belonged to the government. That was the bondage of Egypt. Today, people pay way more than 20% of their labor, their sweat, their toil, their blood to the government, and they call it freedom. That's kind of a no-brainer that that ain't freedom. That you're back in the bondage of Egypt, and God said never to go back there, but your modern church said, no, it's okay. You can go back into the bondage of Egypt, just apply to FDR and LBJ for benefits, and they will force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. And that's okay, because we say it's okay. Never mind that Jesus guy who said, don't be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Don't listen to that guy, you know, that Jesus guy. (laughs) Listen to the Jesus we tell you about. So, you know, do you know what I'm talking about when I'm quoting Jesus you know, because that's what he said. That's what he said, you know, in um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He said, don't be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. I mean, you can go to Luke 22, 25 27. And it says, And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles, that would be the presidents and prime ministers and rulers and, you know, uh, czars or whatever you got. You can call them all kinds of different names. But the rulers of the Gentiles, the other nations, exercise lordship over them. You know, they make mandates and pass laws and all those things. And he says, he refers to them as they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. And they're called benefactors because they give you benefits. You know, health care, Medicare, Medicaid, welfare, you know, unemployment. Stimulus checks. They give you lots of stimulus checks lately. And you get those stimulus checks, you know, and you, you can go out and, you know, buy coffee and bread and all kinds of stuff and uh, but because they're your benefactor, they're giving you all this free stuff. but how did they get that free stuff to give you? you know, the money so you could buy free stuff? Well, they took it away from your neighbor. but of course, since they're borrowing almost everything they spent today, <laughs> they took it away from your neighbor's children. I mean this is this is in the news. They're telling you that, oh, yeah, trillions of dollars in debt. We've got a new budget, trillions of dollars. They tell you this. I'm not making it up. Even CNN tells you, but you just don't connect the dots. You're not going to pay that money back. Your children are going to pay it back. Some of you are going to hear you saying, I don't have any kids. Well, (laughs) okay, so you haven't been fruitful and multiply. But your neighbor has kids. And then now I can hear some of you saying, but what do I care about my neighbor's kids? <laughs> well, nothing. That's why you're not a Christian. Now, you tell me you care about your neighbor's kids. Oh, okay, get that. But what you're doing tells me you don't care about your neighbor's kids. Because you just put your neighbor's kids into debt by spending your stimulus check. Well, I had to. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I, You know, I, they shut down the restaurant where I, I depend for my livelihood. Yeah? So now you get to covet your neighbor's goods? No, you don't get to covet your neighbor's goods. You cut yourself off on the Holy Spirit. And cutting yourself off from the Holy Spirit is not done just by that. There's other things they talk about in the Deuteronomy that cut you off as well. One of them is making covenants. You know, the word that they have in the Hebrew for covenants, which is defined including constitutions. It includes agreements. It includes uh, contracts, covenants, and constitutions. That's what the word covenant means. I've actually had people say, oh, no, covenant is when you make an agreement with God. But the definition of the word, that isn't the definition of the word. <laughs> the definition of the word is that it's, you know, I could, I could probably read you the definition of the word right here. I think I probably got it on this page. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, the the word there, there, are several words that we're dealing with, uh, that, uh, you know, it, he talks about in Deuteronomy, I won't go through all of it, but, you know, he talks about telling the people the statutes and judgments of Yahweh. He actually uses the word Yahweh there. We see in the King James the word Lord all in caps. That usually stands for the word Yahweh, which is YHWH. And uh, they specifically say in the text of Deuteronomy 5 that it's Yahweh who is our God using the word Elohim, the Hebrew word Elohim. But we know that there are gods many. I mean, they tell you that in the New Testament. Elohim's many, Theos many. And we also know that the word can be translated into judges referring to the people who make decisions as to what is good and evil. Because it's translated that way in the Bible. I mean, it's in the Bible that way. So, you can, you can see all that for yourself and understand that. But the, the word anyway, back to the word covenant, because we're not gonna go through that, we're gonna go through Habakkuk today. But, uh, uh, this is, this is kind of a good introduction to understanding Habakkuk, because we're gonna come back to understanding what this, this all is. I mean, the word that we see translated covenant, there it appears about two hundred eighty-four times in the Bible. Or at least that's what they tell us. It appears two hundred eighty-four times in the Bible, and it's translated covenant two hundred sixty-four times, but it's also translated league, and it's also translated confederacy and confederate, and uh, and sometimes confederate when combined with other words. But it's defined as covenant, alliance, or pledge. Now we're getting over to the area of oaths. And Jesus, of course, said, swear not. Not at all. Not by anything. Don't make your answers anything more than yes for yes and no for no. Don't, don't do this pledging, this swearing. Because it cometh of evil. That's what Jesus says in the New Testament. But a covenant is simply, it could be an alliance or a league. It could be a treaty. I mean, do you make treaties? Oh, no, you have a president or a prime minister to make treaties for you. You must make them the gods of your treaties and, and alliances and leagues and constitution. That's, that's where the definition goes. A covenant, actually, it's specifically defined as this covenant, alliance, or pledge between men. And they, they use the same word, you know, you're not supposed to make leagues with the inhabitants where you go. They use that same word, covenant. Which, in the Hebrew is, is, uh, uh, be it resh, yad, tov. And be it, it has to do with house, and resh has to do with authority, yad has to do with the, the divine spark, uh, and tov has to do with faith. So, this covenant is an expression of your faith in a house, be it being the house of authority. Be it, Resh, house of authority. And Tov has to do with faith. So, when you make this covenant, you're putting your faith in a house of authority. But in Deuteronomy 5, they're telling us that their God is Yahweh. And their law is the laws given to them by Yahweh, which is these Ten Commandments. And that would include not coveting anything that is your neighbor. You don't want to take anything away from your neighbor. And you don't want to hire another ruler to take away from your neighbor so that you can have more stuff. If you're keeping the Ten Commandments. And you certainly don't want to put yourself in debt. You certainly don't want to put your neighbor in debt. You don't want to put your neighbor's children in debt and make them a surety for that debt. You wouldn't want to do any of that if you were keeping the Ten Commandments, you know, like the Sabbath thing. But you have. And you've done it while your modern churches said it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through men who exercise authority one over the other. And call themselves benefactors. But Jesus said it was not to be that way with you. So you go to your church and you say, Why is it okay for me to covet my neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority one over the other, calling themselves benefactors, giving me all these wonderful benefits, by exercising authority over my neighbor and taking away from my neighbor? should be a no-brainer should be a no brainer but you you tell people this and they stare back at you and and ministers who know this who have explained this to you, are afraid to tell people this or they make up some sort of excuse and what that creates in their mind is a cognitive dissonance which yesterday I added to our page on Cognitive Dissonance at Preparing You. (laughs) That's when you hold two ideas in your head at the same time that are contradictory. You say, I love Jesus, I just don't want to do what he said. Of course, you don't usually say you don't want to do what he says. You just block out... ...of your mind, and your preachers help you do this, block out of your mind the fact that Jesus said you are not to covet your neighbor's goods. And God said, Yahweh said, you are not to covet your neighbor's goods. And you weren't to make contracts with men who exercise authority one over the other and take from your neighbors so that you can have more free stuff like health care and public schools... But you you can have public schools, you just have to support them by free will offerings, not force offerings by those men who exercise authority one over the other. But that's not how you support public schools anymore. That's the way they used to be supported in America, but you don't do that. You know, the first public schools in Virginia were built by the militia, which is voluntary men coming together to do that and assumingly faith, hope and charity because they're not taxing you, they're building the schools with their voluntary labor they got together everybody between the ages of 17 and 45 and chances are you know, it was actually people all the way up to 75 in those days. <laughs> And people down to 14 or 15 in those days. It's just statutorily. The militia is everybody between the ages of 17 and 45 now. But they built the schools. They didn't tax you. But you got this other idea. But anyway, we're going to go to a break. And we'll be right back and we'll get deep into Habakkuk. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, like I said, we're going to go into Habakkuk. Now, last week we talked about Habakkuk... uh, you know, as this book of Habakkuk, which is that 8th book of uh, the 12 minor prophets. And uh, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says these are minor prophets. It's just somebody has made that category. And he wrote around the 7th century B.C. And uh, the first two chapters, there's kind of a dialogue between Yahweh and the prophet. And uh, the last one is this poetic prophecy that... Uh, some say it's about to take place within the next ten years in, in the world. And it will kill millions and millions of people and devastate millions and, uh, you know, economies and governments and everything will be absolutely devastated by the fulfillment of that prophecy of Habakkuk book three. Uh, we'll get into that when we get there. Right now we're going to be in book one. Uh, but one of the key elements, as we said last week, uh, is that the just shall live by faith. This is one of the things that they will, that Habakkuk mentions, and Galatians, and Hebrews, and Paul, and Romans, uh, mention it right away. The just shall live by faith. And of course, if you understood Deuteronomy 5, which we just talked about in the first part of the show, which is why I try to tie all these books, All the teachings of the Old Testament and New Testament are in unison and in uniformity with the Spirit of God. God did not change with the New Testament. You don't throw out the Old Testament. If we were going to throw out the Old Testament, Jesus wouldn't have been quoting it so much. And the apostles wouldn't be quoting it so much. Like I said... Here, Habakkuk is being quoted in Romans and Galatians and Hebrews. Hebrews 10.38. You can go look at it. Galatians 3.11. And and Romans, it's right in Romans 1. But people don't understand what they're talking about. Somebody who's one of our ministers I was talking to last night. And and, uh, he was kind of surprised when I said that when Paul was writing the letters to the Romans, he was writing, of course, to Christians who were also Romans. Because the very first Christians were almost all Jews. I mean, all the apostles were from Judea. And all the, almost all the people, I wouldn't say all the people, but a lot of the people that were converted on Pentecost, certainly the, a lot of the people, in the 120 that were in the upper room, these were all uh Jews yeah it was just one of the things that just astounds me when i hear modern church saying things like the jews did not accept uh jesus as the messiah but the jews did accept jesus as the, my, the messiah <laughs> 2001 day 3000 the next and those were heads of families, so we're probably talking 50,000 people. All the 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 5,000 men and their families out there uh, with the loaves of fishes, they were accepting Jesus, certainly as the high priest and king, and that is what the Messiah was, is high priest and king. So Jesus was literally the high priest and king. He was high priest because John the Baptist was the rightful high priest. At that particular time, we've explained why that is, according to Judaic law, their true priesthood and high priest position belonged to John the Baptist. It did not belong to Caiaphas, which came along a little bit later. And I don't know exactly when Caiaphas started his position as high priest, but uh, it was... I know who the the five high priests before that were, were the five sons of uh, Ananias. And uh, he ran out of sons, and so his son-in-law got to be high priest. And his son-in-law was the one who was sitting in that position when they tried to try Jesus for claiming to be king uh, unlawfully. And, uh, of course, that, you know, how that all turned out, we've explained in other places, but let's go back to Habakkuk, is that this Habakkuk is, at least in Habakkuk 1, we see right away, he's talking about the burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. So what's that burden? What is the burden of Habakkuk? And uh we talk about that also as to uh you know uh what that burden is and what that means. Actually I just noticed on the page it don't seem to have a footnote to that right offhand, but we'll we'll get that in there because that there's this word burden shows up a number of times and of course in Revelation there are burdens and the, and Jesus talks about burdens. My burden is light, which leads us to believe that the burdens of, maybe maybe it's the benefactors of the Gentiles who exercise authority. Maybe their burden is not so light. And so, anyway, these pages that we've got at Preparing You are a work in progress. And you can see now, I didn't have hardly anything written on Deuteronomy, but I had, well, some of the pages of Deuteronomy Some of the chapters of Deuteronomy we've gone through already, but the whole book, no, we haven't gone through. But you go through almost any chapter of Deuteronomy, and there we have articles written on things that they're covering in Deuteronomy. Because things they cover in Deuteronomy are mentioned again in the New Testament. And... All this message of God and of Jesus Christ and of John the Baptist and of all the apostles, including Paul, despite the controversy of Paul, they are all tied together. They're all about either you love your neighbor, you love God, or you don't. The Ten Commandments, if you're not keeping the Ten Commandments, then you probably do not love either God or your neighbor or both. Yeah, I mean, if you think it's okay to ask men to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, you don't love your neighbor as much as you love the benefits you're going to get by the rulers who force your neighbor. And We have this new progressive left that is out there, you know, like I saw an interview. Well, it was actually somebody giving a speech, but they asked somebody in the audience what they thought the solution to the existence of poor would be. And their answer, these are college students, their answer was kill the rich. <laughs> wow. And they say this out loud like it like it makes sense. You and the fact is they get away with it even with conservatives in the room, because conservatives don't really they're not really the faithful either, for the most part. I mean they're the faithful are where you find them. They're like gold. They're like that great pearl. They're where you find them. And amongst the conservatives, you might find a few more than you find amongst the new liberal left. But uh, I think you find them even amongst the liberal left because a lot of young people, they see injustices in the world and they try to find out what to do about it and they're going to school public school and uh, colleges and where uh, professors are telling them all kinds of stuff that just ain't so. And they accept them as an authority and then they run with that. Now, hopefully, somewhere along the line, they'll wake up. But I'm still hoping for the conservatives to wake up to the fact that they're socialists, too. They're just not the extreme socialists that you find on the left. But they have need of repentance. And that's why they're faced with the burden that is upon them now. Where a senile old man, who I have a great deal of sympathy for because he's being used, is ruling them, making them take an untested vaccination or lose their jobs. It is I mean they will get to the point where they're forcing it. They're they're just about to approve, you know, the, the the FDA supposedly a board at the FDA supposedly approved. They have to go through another step of vaccinating children between the ages of what five and eleven. I guess they've already included twelve to seventeen. Uh, that that that's gonna be okay, but. What they don't tell you is that the board at the FDA has had numerous resignations over the last two years of guys who will not go along with the agenda that is being forced on the American public and the world at large, which is vaccinate the whole world with an untested vaccination that's never gone through the testing that's required for every other vaccination uh ...that is on the market. That they didn't have to do those tests. It's just crazy. And, and it was... Br- that idea that they don't have to do those tests... ...was approved by Trump. For all you conservatives. He approved that idea. I don't know what possessed them to approve that idea... I've gone back and read the science papers on this, and uh, we link to it. It's also at Preparing You. You can look up numerous scientists, and these are top scientists. They have a completely different idea than what I'm hearing from the senile old man in the White House and from the media uh, and uh, from a lot of people out there on the street who think they're following the science <laughs> but are actually following that media and uh, the the top guy in virology, the guy who wrote the book on virology, one of the most cited men in American history in virology, says that our institutions, like the FDA, like the CDC, have been hijacked and are not doing science, have gone away. So who are the new guys at the FDA who suddenly think it's okay? to give five-year-olds a vaccination that has never gone through the proper testing of all the other vaccines that are on the market. And VAERS, you know, VAERS is instituted by the United States statutes that they're supposed to report adverse reactions to vaccines through VAERS. Well, Open Bears is where I usually go to see how many people have died from the vaccine, or how many people have have been hospitalized or permanently disabled by the vaccine. It's unavailable today. It's unavailable last night. Uh, they something has crashed, and there's there's people working on it, but you can't get those numbers when the when it crashed. The numbers were still at seventeen thousand people reported as dying within a few days after receiving the vaccination. Healthy people died within a few days. 17,000 reports. And, you know, I mentioned before a Harvard study that 1% to 10% of the actual reports ever get reported. So at 10%, that would mean 170,000 people died within a few days after receiving the vaccination. At 1%, 1 1.7 million people have died, you know, after receiving the vaccination. Now, some of that, those reports may be making a supposition, a correlation that is not a causation. But if you want to find out if they are really caused, the deaths are really caused, it appears they're caused by the vaccinations, then you would want to perform... Autopsies. So there should be at least 17,000 autopsies that have been done to determine whether or not these people actually died of the vaccination or some other cause. Not happening. Because the institutions that are supposed to be checking this are not. They're not checking it. They have been hijacked. And they were able to be hijacked because you didn't listen to Deuteronomy 5 and you didn't listen to Habakkuk. (laughs) So we are going to go through Habakkuk. So verse 2 in Habakkuk says, O Lord, and there you see capital L-O-R-D, which means O Yahweh, O Yadavai. How long shall I cry and thou will not hear? even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. So this is the conversation of Abakuk with Yahweh. Well what did it say in first Samuel 8, 18? And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, your ruler, your prime minister, your president which ye have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. So we were already told, Habakkuk came a long time after First Samuel 8, we're told that if you decide to have a ruler, a king, a prime minister, a president, a commander-in-chief, because that's what Saul was originally, a commander-in-chief. They, they wanted him to run the army. And then the, the, the authority of Saul expanded out. And with that, the corruption of Saul expanded out. I mean, Saul was the first one to impose a tax upon Israel. And when Samuel found out, he came and said, you've, you've done this foolish thing. Your, your kingdom will not stand. It will fall. It will collapse because you've done this foolish thing. You forced an offering. You forced the sacrifice of the people. We've been doing that in America for a hundred years. At least since 1933, we forced you to pay in 10, 20, 30% of your labor to the government. And that, that Social Security Act and FDR brought you back into the bondage, full-blown bondage of Egypt. You went back there to get benefits from men who exercised authority that called themselves benefactors. And it's all downhill from there. And the burden, the burden of Habakkuk went up and increased. And the ears of the Lord would not hear you cry out. Because you you not only wanted to have a ruler, a commander-in-chief, to exercise authority one over the other. Now, admittedly, most Americans did not vote for the Constitution of the United States had it been put to a popular vote it would have been voted down back there in the latter part of the 1700s they were against the constitution it wasn't a document of we the people it was a document of we the states and we the people refers to the people who became members of the united states like congressmen senators presidents prime uh, you know and all these employees of the federal government that that's we the people of the united states they They were as separate to each other, the states, as Mexico is to Canada. That's the law. That's the history. That's what it says. Clark Summer of U.S. American law. Even after the ratifying ratifying of the Constitution. Now, after the Civil War, that changed more. But it really started changing with things like uh, 1913 and the Federal Reserve Act and and then, of course, you had to get the people's surety for the debt of the Federal Reserve. And they were going to loan in more money until they had more people as surety. So they started Social Security. That's where you and your children started becoming surety for the debt. And then they started loaning a lot more money. And they've been doing it ever since. And right now, they've been loaning huge amounts. I mean, the the... The climbing of the debt is unbelievable, but that's the goal—is not only to bankrupt you with this burden, and part of that burden of Habakkuk is God's not going to hear you. And so the big question, even though you're reporting violence, you know, you're saying, "Oh, they're forcing us; they're taking away our jobs, and they're they're making us mandating this." And of course, you can shake your fist at the rulers. And you could be unfaithful to the unrighteous mammon, the system that you have created for yourselves. But that's not the answer. That's not Christ's answer. He said be friends with the unrighteous mammon. So that when it fails, you'll be suitable for more righteous habitation. In other words, pay your taxes. I I only am explaining why you owe the tax. You owe the tax because you've been coveting your neighbor's goods the men who exercise authority. And you've only been doing that because you have not sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and taken care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. So you can report all the violence you want about what the government's doing bad. But let's take a look at what you've been doing bad. You've been going to public schools that are provided by men going to your neighbor's house and forcing them to pay into your public schools or lose their home. I mean, if they don't pay into your desire for public education without paying for the public education, without building the school yourself, by forcing your neighbor to, you know, with your bonds and, you know, your taxes, you've been doing that right along. And so now you're complaining that, oh, well, they're taking too much. Well, you've been taking for years. God's not going to hear you. You can cry out, he's not going to hear you. I've got at least 3 articles there that are linked to on that page. There's an article uh about you know, cry out. Un unheard cries. And you know, I mean, like I said, 1 Samuel 8:18 8, tells us that. But you can go to Jeremiah 11:12. Then shall the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem go and cry unto the gods unto whom they have offer incense, but they shall not save them at all in the time of trouble. Now, I was just led to go to that quote just there in a split second. I went there and I read that. But that's going to be really pertinent as we read down in Habakkuk, because he's going to talk about incense too. And uh, I've already done an article on what incense really is. <laughs> so you can, you can read that and find out what incense really is. But anyway, let's get down to verse 3. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Maybe even there's some raising up insurrection. <laughs> Strife and contention. I, I Now don't get me wrong, I think that most of the people they said were insurrectionists on January 6 were not insurrectionists. But the fact is, when you decided to take away from your neighbor so that you could have free stuff, you were insurrecting against God. You were spoiling your neighbor. When you sent the sheriff to his house because he didn't contribute to your free education. When you sent the IRS to his house because he didn't contribute to your Social Security, to your welfare. yeah, You've instituted the institutions of force and a burden has come upon you. And... But Jesus said his burden was light. But he said to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Your modern preacher said, no, we'll take care of one another through force, fear, and fealty by going to men who exercise authority. But we'll come to church and pretend to keep the Sabbath. We'll, we'll run up debts until all our children are in bondage. But we'll pretend to keep the Sabbaths by counting six days and then taking a day of rest. Even though we're in debt up to our ears. Because we wanted benefits today and we said somebody else will pay for them tomorrow. We didn't want to work first. We wanted the benefits now and we'll work later. I mean, I used to see this when people, you know, I understand people borrow money to... Build a house and then they pay it back. If they don't pay it back, they they lose the house. And I don't. You don't really have to do it that way, but you, that's become a habit. And it seems like, oh well, there's no other way I could do it, and I have to. And okay, whatever. You know, we didn't borrow money to build the house I'm living in, or the house I'm going to move to. Oh, uh, but it took us a long time to build it. <laughs> But that's another story. But the the reality is, I know people were borrowing money to buy a TV set. <laughs> they bought their TV, I and mean, that's what you could do with credit cards. You could buy your TV set on time. You know, somebody got a thing in the mail the other day for a credit card, and uh, they were talking about it. I overheard the conversation and. Uh, Somebody says, well, what's the rate of interest? I don't know what it was. It was like 26% or 23% or something like that. I thought like, wow! Because I come from the old days where 6% was called usury. That was always kind of funny. They said that, uh, you could charge 5%, that was okay, but 6% is usury. <laughs> well, no. Usury is, is not only 5 uh, 6%, it's also 5%, and, uh, Uh, Income tax, property tax, all those are use taxes. Those are usury. The stickers on your car are usury. But anyway, we're going to go a lot faster through Habakkuk when we get back because we want to get over to the side panel and really get into depth. We'll be right back. So welcome back. So we're in Habakkuk and we're looking at the, the burden of Habakkuk, which is evidently there's something going on in Israel at this time. There was some wicked kings that were around where uh, he was seeing iniquity and violence and he was crying out because of this injustices, but God was not hearing him. And of course, this was predicted back in Samuel that they would not hear him. And he goes into verse 4 and says, Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. The righteous are surrounded, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Well, you know, if you... Actually, we're watching the news. We we see people being arrested uh like the kid up in Kenosha who was trying to save people and was attacked and people were trying to uh, kill him and hit him and and steal his gun and, and uh, that he had there for protection because the police wouldn't even come into certain areas and these guys were setting dumpsters on fire and creating blockades to keep the police out while they set car dealerships on fire and it was just rioting and... And and your benefactors who exercised authority were letting them do this. They weren't doing anything to stop them. And, of course, most of the people in Kenosha were just hiding in their houses because it's not their job to be the righteous of society. It's not their job to protect the needy of their society, the weak of their society. They've turned that over to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercised authority and those men who call themselves benefactors but exercised authority were letting the rioters have their way in Kenosha and Portland and many other cities because they have sold their souls to the evil forces of the world so yeah injustice uh, was all around them uh, all around the righteous well The thing is, most of you aren't the righteous. There's only a few righteous people probably in Kenosha. And the kid seemed to be a pretty good kid. I mean, he was lifeguard and he brought first aid kit and he'd already administered first aid to people and, and all this stuff. But he was trying to protect a business that somebody asked him to help protect. And, of course, he came armed, which he had a legal right to do because he had a lawful right to do, to protect himself, and he was there to protect others. But the guys who were there setting dumpsters on fire and and burning stuff up and blocking the police, and those guys attacked him. And he defended himself. And he's on trial. It's crazy. Because the benefactors aren't just. And the people they elect aren't just, and it's just unbelievable. You know, if you if you look at that original text in Habakkuk one, uh, verse four, when they say the word you know is powerless, the law and never goes forth. Uh, th- these words, the word there, the law is the word Torah, and Torah is not the Ten Commandments. Torah is, is, and an, it may include the Ten Commandments, but it's, it's the Torah. And, uh, the word justice there is mispat, which, uh, has to do with this flow of righteousness in the community. The wicked, rasha, uh, it has to do with, uh, resh is the authority, and shin, aeon. And it surrounds, they say, it surrounds the righteous. And, uh, and the righteous is the Hasidic, it is the word Hasidic in the Hebrew. And, uh, then he talks about that perverse judgment proceedeth. There's actually the word perverse. Uh, is is what they're dealing with. So when the translators put all this together and translate these words out, then we get this, therefore the law is slacked. Because the law is not in the hearts of the people. And the judgment doth never go forth. And the wicked, you know, they they were releasing. You actually had the the, the vice president of the United States today, the the lady sitting there in that seat, whatever that seat is, I don't consider that the seat of Moses, but they're sitting up there, however they got there. She was contributing money to bail people out who had been rioting, committing violence, because only the most violent people were usually arrested. And uh, she was bailing them out so they could be back on the streets committing more violence right away while all the people hid in their homes. But you see, this is a long time in coming. Everybody wants to get back to normal. But it was the old normal, the normal 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It was that normal that brought you this normal. You can't just go back to the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. you got to go back to the first century church. you got to go back to early America when all the public schools were supported by free will offerings. And anybody could get a college education who could keep up their grades, and they wouldn't have to take out student loans. It was written into Harvard and Princeton and Yale. You could, get, you could go there and pay no tuition. If you couldn't afford the tuition, you didn't have to pay tuition. They would give you free education. But it was supported by charity. It wasn't supported by government. Government, the charity that the government gives is not real charity. It's what they call legal charity. We have an article on that preparing you that you can go read and find out. Because legal charity was written about back in the 1800s that it destroys society. And of course, John the Baptist said it destroys society. Peter said it destroys society. Paul said it destroys society. society. Jesus said we were to repent of that and seek the kingdom of God that does not operate on forced offerings but operates on free will offerings, what we call charity today, what the Old Testament called free will offerings. Verse 5, they say, is a new paragraph, and it begins, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. So what work is going to happen that you don't believe? Well, he goes on in verse 6, For, lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. I I don't have a link there right now to Chaldeans. I know I should. Chaldeans are the ones who took over and destroyed Egypt after Israel left Egypt. They attacked Egypt. Egypt was in a bad way because Tutmosis III had you know, uh, been c- committing uh, genocide and uh, and uh, criminal warfare all across uh, the the nations around about him, and he was pretty well bankrupt. And uh, and then, of course, when the Israelites fled, that there fled a lot of the source of his revenue, because see, they had to pay you know, at least 20% of their labor into the government, and that's how he was able to raise up these armies, but uh, through crafts of state that had actually increased. I mean, it still said 20%, but there's a way in which they calculated it that made it a greater and greater burden. But, of course, now you're back into the bondage of Egypt, and you pay far more than 20%, because Joseph didn't make your deal, FDR made your deal, and LBJ made your deal uh you know Joseph said it couldn't be more than twenty percent, but uh it can be way more than twenty percent today and that but through their crafts of state because you've got property tax and sales tax and income tax and state income tax, social security tax you got all of, you're paying way more than twenty percent, but you're gonna start paying another way uh because of the fact that you set up your golden calf back in 1913. And that is that you took all your gold, you broke off your golden earrings, and you put it into a central bank, which is what the golden calf was. We have an article on that at uh, preparing you. Golden calf. Go look up golden calf. And and you'll see that the golden calf was a reserve bank. And they weren't the only ones who ever created that. A lot of the city-states had these golden statues. And they... And they had a whole system where you had something else you exchanged amongst yourself as if if it was money. But it was only valuable in your little community. It wasn't necessarily valuable in other communities. And so if the enemy came and you ran, instead of stay and fight with the others, uh, you ran with nothing in your pocket of value. Or at least not much. Because gold was the most portable form of wealth. But... uh, What's this other tax that's coming upon you? Well, it's inflation. Is that the value of what you have in your pocket as if it was money is going to go down. And the whole system could literally collapse. And there's lots of reasons for that, but we will keep moving along here. So the Chaldeans... Understanding that word Chaldeans, because they're not really talking about specific people there. They're talking about what that word Chaldean represents. But I will add to this so that you have the notes in there so you can find it out. But when they refer to raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, what they're talking about is the metaphor of the Chaldeans, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. Now, I should put a link there to dwelling places that are not theirs, because they're not yours either. And we have an article, legal title. Legal title is an apparent title that carries with it no beneficial interest. You have legal title to your house, you have legal title to your business, to your corporation... The, that legal title does not include a right to the beneficial interest, or what they call the beneficial use. And we explain all this out with footnotes so you can look for it. It's so different than what you're normally hearing for your, from your preachers. But basically, the idea is that because you're not operating according to the way, the way of Christ, the way of Moses, because they were in agreement, that you've gone back to the bondage of Egypt. You don't own your land. You don't own your business. You don't own your children now because they're surety for the debt. And so now they can vaccinate your children. That they're going to be slow about. They're just going to get all the people that will run down and get their children vaccinated. <laughs> they'll, they'll, until they run out. See, at first, you know, Uh, this guy, this old man Biden said that he wasn't going to mandate vaccinations. Didn't think we should do that. Now he does. (laughs) And tomorrow uh, he's or whoever is his successor, he's not going to last forever. He's just there for the temporary. Whoever's telling him what to say and do. They're going to say, I think it's time we force the vaccinations. And right now they're voluntarily vaccinating your children. they've already They haven't got approval yet, and they were just saying on the news before we started the program that they're already shipping them out <laughs> doses for children. They haven't approved what those doses would should be. You know, you're dealing with a child that may weigh fifty pounds. What should that dose be? Well, it should be zero, obviously, if you if you look at the numerous scientists that we we're quoting. And, you know, I've had people say, well, I'm looking, following the science. I said, so what science are you following? Where are your peer-reviewed papers? And they, I can't find them. They can't find them either. They say they've read them, but they can't tell me where they're at. We have the links to the actual papers. But anyway, uh, back to this idea, they're going to want to force your children. So, And I was talking to people in Australia just this week. Where this is all going? I'm not going to say where it's all going. I'm giving you hints. I mean, they're giving you hints. I'm just bringing them up. They're they're saying. I mean, just just a couple of weeks ago, we had people resigning from the FDA. You know, and then we we had one guy who st- still would not go along with the FDA approval. But uh, he'll be replaced, and so now they have to go to the CDC and what. Who's, who, are, who are these guys? These are the gods who tell you what is good and evil. And, and, and they are the Chaldeans who are going to come into that dwelling place that is not yours anymore. You don't own your land. You don't own your house. You don't own your labor. And you don't own your children. And we have article after article that will show it. And I'll try to get more of those links in in my spare time. But in verse 7, they are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. That's what we're seeing. Verse 8, their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce Then the evening wolves and their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from afar, from far, and they shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. Now, we can take this prophecy of Habakkuk down to the layer upon layer, but I'll just let you ponder those words. You think you're going to have an insurrection that overthrows those people that you have put in power for the last 100 years? Not going to happen. It's going to take a miracle. But you're still back there in verse 1. Or verse 2 at least. The burden we got that. Okay, that's verse 1. The Verse 2 is God's not hearing you. You need to get God to hear you so that you can get the miracle that it's going to take to save those few righteous that are encompassed all about. So, in this verse 9, they shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. Now that word violence there is shemak in the uh, the Hebrew. And and it's translated violence most of the time, but also cruelty and wrong and false and a number of things. And it means violence. But it's this uh, chet mem uh shemek. These letters, and actually I don't have it in here now, but I will try to get that in here. Show you the actual meaning of the letters. I mean, you could go to another page, we have a page on Hebrew, show you the meaning of all the letters. Uh, that particular word shows up about 60 times in the Bible. But, uh, understanding the letters a lot of times gives you a hint because, uh, some of the other words that we see, uh, popping up here and there, and there's such as this, uh, the word avenge. It's normally Yad Shin Ayan. Well, when we see it here in this text, it's Tav Vav, Yad Shin Ayan. So they've added two extra letters. It's Tav Vav, and, and that's that word save. Uh, it's Thou will not save because your faith, your covenant, Because that word covenant, you go back to that, you go to that, we cover that in Deuteronomy 5, that that word covenant has to do with binding your faith to someone who's going to decide what is good and evil for you. This is why you're not to make covenants with them nor with their gods, their ruling judges. Because they're going to decide, no, you need to wear a mask. No, you need to have a vaccination. No, if you don't get a vaccination, you can't work at one of our companies. And this is, I mean, you've created, the old normal created this problem. And the problem's going to get worse. Because there's the evening wolves. Why do they say the fierce, more fierce than the evening wolves? What's an evening wolf? Comes at the end of the day. <laughs> the next wolf. And shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. So that's coming. That's farther down the road. So, he says, they shall come all for violence, for cruelty. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. Well, you're already in captivity. We already established that. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. Uh, you know, that word captivity, it's, it's translated captivity Or captive, you know, about forty-five times, prisoner a couple of times, but what is it? Uh, It's shin, be it yod, be it again is the house, so it's the shin be it house. But what is the actual word? If we were to go into the Hebrew, because again, did they add more letters? Well, I don't cover it in the notes now, but I may come back because this is what I we just finished Nahum. And uh, you can go on preparing you and and all the recordings that we made with Nahum. And when I go and I edit the recordings afterwards, and because uh, with my own recordings here in in the studio, you know I hear myself say certain things, and I realize oh somebody's going to ask a question. I can hear the question in my head, and so I put a footnote in that shows where the answer is. Sometimes I write whole articles. To help cover that particular verse or that particular word. I add the Hebrew letters. I go to the original text and show you the letters that the, that Habakkuk or Nahum decided to add. That add meaning to it. Like the Tav Vav. Tav Vav. Tav is faith. The Vav is either connecting faith to this thing or separating faith from this thing depending on your point of view. When you... You connect your faith to the governments of the world who exercise authority and force the contributions of your neighbor. You separate your faith from God. You see how that works? The Vav, your faith is now through the covenant, which has that Tav in it, is now connected to the gods of this world, the ruling judges of this world. Then now the Supreme Court's going to tell you that abortion is OK. Now, the God of heaven says it's not, but the God of your world says it is, and you want to elect a different supreme court that's in accordance with the God of heaven, but the fact is, is you have a supreme court that is deciding what is good and evil for you, because you've given up your right to decide, and why did you do that? Well, I admit, many of you did it through ignorance. Some of you did it through apathy. Again, like I pointed out, the original Americans back in uh, 1790 did not want the Constitution. 1800s did not want the Constitution. Were against it. Patrick Henry opposed it. A lot of other people opposed it. Much abler people than Patrick Henry. And he warned, Patrick Henry warned, that this document was written as if good men will take office. When bad men take office, they will steal your rights to ambuscade enforce vaccinations on you and take your job away and take your children away. Several stories came out recently of children's services taking children away. Unfairly, they went to court. Some of some of the kids were lost to their parents for years and years and years. I, 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 this has been going on for 20, 30 years. I was in these courts years ago helping other people, trying to help them. But I through that process, I realized the only help that is going to save you because I went into these courts and I saw the power of the Holy Spirit working there, but not for many of these parents because they did not have the Holy Spirit in their life. They were not the righteous themselves, and those are the ones they go after first is you know it's like sharks and blood in the water, you know if you're wounded and bleeding and thrashing around in the water, the shark's going for you, and that's the way it is out there in 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 the world of where there is no justice that the sharks go for you. If you if you want to succeed, it will take the miracle of the Holy Spirit between you and the sharks. And the Holy Spirit lists where it wills, but I would start with doing what Christ commanded, which is sit down in the tens, hundreds and thousands and start taking care of one another through faith, open charity, and then God might hear you then. Because he's not hearing you because you keep going to the men who exercise authority and, and trying to elect the gods of your choice. The ruling judges of your choice. The supreme court of your choice. You don't want a supreme court. You want to walk in faith and love with Christ. Taking care of one another. But right now you're in Captivity. Israel was in captivity in the bondage of Egypt, and God allowed the plagues to come upon the just and the unjust. So that the righteous would learn to walk in righteousness, which is what Jesus said seek the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and that's what you need to be doing, is seeking the way of Christ, which is the way of righteousness in a government that is based on faith, hope, and charity, rather than force, fear, and fealty. You following all that? Because I'm repeating it so many different ways. You should be starting to get it. So verse 10, And they shall scoff at the kings and the princes, shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, and they shall heap dust and take it. Sounds like... What we've been seeing in the news. <laughs> they scoff at everything. They condemn everything. They mock everything. They are the gospel of hate. You don't want to be that. Verse 11, then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend. Now he says he shall pass over and offend in putting this his power unto his God. And that's what you have. Biden is a god. George Washington is a god. Go look up apotheos. Apotheos. All one word at preparing you. And find out that on the U.S. government website, they say Washington was raised to the rank of God. In the government says that. Now, you would, maybe you're abhorred by that idea. But it's, that's what it says. And we show you. But you have to go read that article because we're going to verse 12 now. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord? That word there is Yahweh again. O Lord, my God, mine Holy One, we shall not die. And he goes on with this prayer. And we'll go on with this prayer. When we come back to Keys of the Kingdom, so that you understand that right now your God is not Yahweh, it's the God's many of the world. We'll be right back. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, and we're looking at this Habakkuk, and it's kind of a prayer because he's saying, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord Yahweh, my God, Elohim? My holy one, he shall not die. Okay, so this word everlasting, it's kind of a unique it's quitim, which is uh kuf uh delit mem and uh it has several different forms and it's actually normally translated east uh or old or eastward or ancient. And, uh, in this, in this particular place, uh, they say everlasting. Uh, but they're saying, art thou not from ancient, O Lord? My God. My Elohim. Uh, my Holy One. So what's he talking about? Mine Holy One. Kadash is what he's saying, Holy One. Which is, you know, the Holy Spirit. And so, this is Habakkuk saying this. And uh, he's, he says, We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And, O mighty God, Thou hast established them for correction. That's So, these hard times that we're facing, now, just as the hard times, the burden of Habakkuk, the hard times that Habakkuk was facing, this is for our correction. If we repent, we repent our thinking, think the way God intended us to think, which includes thinking that covetous practices are a bad thing, <laughs> they're not good, Making covenants with men to and giving them the power to decide what is good and what is evil—that's not good. And so, this is this time is you know we've had quite a few people join the network. Everybody should listening to this should join the network. Which uh, you go to preparingyou.com dot com and look up the network links or hisholychurch.org dot org and look up the network links and join the network which is an email group most of the people listening to this have email or get a hold of us and we'll try to put you in contact with somebody locally but join the network if you have any kind of email most people do and uh, then join the living network which isn't dependent upon email you will the living network is those tens hundreds and thousands those congregations that are sitting down and trying to learn what it means To be the righteous children of God. To be that peculiar people. That's what we should be looking at and trying to establish on a daily basis by creating a daily ministration that takes care of the needy of our society through faith, hope, and charity. And then in that process, we will be forging the bands of a free society. Forging the bands of brotherhood of the first century church. That's not, I can't do that over the radio. You can't do that by talking or reading or thinking. You do that by doing what Christ said. This is why Christ said not to be a hearer only, but a doer of the word. Are you a doer of the word? Well, I've just shown you how most people who think they're Christians are not doing what the early church did. They're doing contrary to what Christ said to do. So now we see in verse 13, Thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth, the man that is more righteous than he. So you have the wicked devouring men that are more righteous. And and none of us are righteous. I'm not righteous. You're not righteous. But seeking the righteousness of God is the key. God's going to have to run out and meet you halfway. This is why I say it's going to take a miracle. But repentance is about the way you think. It's about turning around and thinking a different way. And, you know, when it says, Thou art pure, Thou art isn't even in the text. They just kind of add that. But, so, Thou has purer eyes uh, than to behold the evil. Uh, God is judge. So, shaking your fist at all the bad things you see government doing is not the solution. Looking at yourself. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Looking at yourself and finding out where you have not been as righteous as you should have been. And changing your thinking, saying, I'm going to seek the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of God. And start doing what the first century church did, which was sit down in the ten subjects of thousands start taking care of one another. And just in the nick of time, because a series of dearths. Or depressions, or whatever you want to call them, with inflation and all these things that we're about to face. I mean, you think you think of the Romans? Well, they were using gold and silver coins, weren't they? They they didn't have inflation. No, uh, they took Nero took about forty to fifty percent of the gold out of the coin. Before Nero did that, uh, Mark Anthony and Cleopatra took ten percent of the silver. Out of the Roman denarii, uh, and I said out of the gold coin, but actually uh, Nero took it out of the silver coin, because that's what most people distributed is the silver coin. But uh, we also have an article showing you that at the Temple of Ephesus, which was minting coins, because it was a bank, the Temple of Ephesus was a bank, and the apostles were accused of robbing it, not because they broke into the vault. It was the most secure vault in all the Mediterranean, built by 127 different countries. And yet they were accused of robbing it. Why? What, what were they doing? Well, they were creating another system not dependent upon that bank, or the banks in Rome, or the banks in, they were separate. The, their treasury was not in a vault. Their treasury was in the hearts of the people that they gathered with, religiously gathered with, religiously in the sense of that's how you take care of the needy of your society is religion. See, I have to go and redefine all these words in your mind because somebody else has redefined these words in your mind in a way that is not the way those words were meant in the biblical text, which is why we have so many links showing you to articles on what religion really is. And so in verse uh, 14, they And makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things. What is he talking about? The fishes of the sea as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the angle. And that, that word angle there can be translated hook. They catch them in their net. That's what they're doing. They're catching you in their net. Them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. They like you captured in their drag. What is their drag made out of? Benefits. That's why David says, What should have been for your welfare has become a snare. And why Paul quotes David. Talking about you being snared. Sitting at the tables that snare you. And talks about a table of which they cannot eat. See, some of those future things coming is going to include food rationing. You may not even be let into their stores. (laughs) Or get on their planes. You're going to need your own planes. (laughs) Are you ready for that? No. Basically, I don't think too far in the future, the kingdom of heaven is in the moment. And right now, in this moment, have you been seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Have you been sitting down in faith, hope, and charity with your fellow man, seeking the righteousness of God to take care of one another? You say, well, how can I be sure that the people that I sit down with will take care of me? What were we talking about? weren't well, we talking about faith or do you do you, what makes you so sure that the government's going to take care of you? you know I remember a socialist who was thinking that you know the the government is all breaking down this was actually years ago because of inflation and all these things that we were seeing uh, back then and they're saying capitalism how's that working out for you you haven't had capitalism in America since 1913. <laughs> You've had a shadow of capitalism. You haven't had Christianity in your churches uh, probably since 1913 or at least since 1933 because uh, it wasn't until 1910 that most of the people, 51% of the people started going to public schools. And even then, when they started going to those public schools, many of those public schools were still built and created not by tax dollars, but by free will offerings. Even locally in our own county here, they built a new school up in North Lake County. The land itself was donated by somebody. It wasn't bought by tax dollars. Now, the building was built by tax dollars, but they still had the memory in their hearts to at least donate the land. And many things that people donate and help pay for at the school. But they need to turn back from this idea that the government, their neighbor, because they're they're right now they're facing a, another tax hike in their property taxes because somebody wants more benefits. Hopefully they'll talk about that at Bible study. <laughs> it's just going on right now in North Lake County. There's a Bible study. But we'll see. Um, so verse 16. Uh therefore, they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense. I told you we'd get to incense. Unto their drag. This drag is their net. Because by them, their portion is fat. And their meat is plenteous. So, what... What is all this that they're talking about? It? And what, what is all this that is going on in there? And how does it relate to us today? Well, they don't want, you're caught in a net. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. And, and the last verse here, well, we got plenty of time for the last verse, but I want to, do, do get it, want to get into the side panel here with verse 17. Shall they therefore empty their net? and not spare continually to slay the nations because we've talked about this slaying of nations before when we were going through Nahum etc because Nahum uses the metaphor of the familiar harlot you see the 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 woman the wise woman of proverbs is the church of the wilderness That is supported by free will offerings from the people to help take care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity. That's what the church in the wilderness was doing, the Levites in the wilderness. And Christ, when he called out men and said that they had to sell all their property, he actually said they had to sell all their property, own all things in common. This is just his ministers. And provided daily ministration through charity, through faith, hope, and charity. They were the church. They were the called out. That's what church means. That's what ekklesia means, which is the Greek word we translate into church. It means the called out. And He called out men to do a particular task of rightly dividing the bread from house to house, but the bread that they were dividing was the bread that was donated to the people to, to of the church To rightly divide, to make sure, to practice pure religion, to take care of the needy of society, the the widows and orphans and needy of society through faith, hope, and charity instead of force, fear, and fealty, which is the way the Pharisees were doing it through the corbin of the Pharisees, which was making the word of God to none effect. The more you learn the meaning of these words when you read the Bible, it will come alive. And it will start connecting the dots that you see in the Old Testament, the New Testament. And unfortunately, you may find the picture drawn where you're on the wrong side of prophecy. You want to get over on the right side of prophecy. And the right side of prophecy is those that are following the ways of God. So therefore, they sacrifice unto the nets. That's what you're doing now. To the people who have bought, brought you into bondage, you're sacrificing to them. And you burn incense unto their drag. You, you say, yeah, th- this system is good. We want to be a part of this system of forcing our neighbors to contribute to our welfare and the things that we want. And, and most people are not going to probably turn around. I, I don't know for sure, but just judging by Past history, I would assume that most people are not going to repent. And that was a big question brought to Jesus. Are many saved or the few? He didn't... He wouldn't say. (laughs) And so I'm going to have to go along with that. I'm I'm not going to say. But I could tell you if you want to be saved, that begins with repentance, thinking a different way. And all this information that we're laying out, all the stuff that I'm going to add, uh, hopefully... As I go through these audios and put them on these different webpages. Because we've done Corinthians and Romans. And we've done a lot of other books. And they're all up preparing you. If you want to know more answers, you got to join the network and ask the questions there. I get calls. I got a call from Tennessee. Somebody was joining the network. Uh, we went through. A lot of us have gone through. I think there's still somebody waiting on Texas Group to join the Texas Group. But... uh hopefully we'll get everybody onto the network the email network but then they have to choose and organize themselves in the tens hundreds and thousands and you can see time running out all the changes in the last 2 years what are the changes in the next 2 years what's going to happen you know, if you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and start caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, start reading the Bible, understanding the meaning of the words, if you start doing all that and bad things don't happen, you're still better off. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. Just personally. You know, like I said, this cognitive dissonance of trying to hold two ideas in your mind at the same time that are contradictory. It leads to depression. It leads to anxiety. It leads to being vulnerable to PTSD. It leads to bipolarism. Because you have conflict in your mind. If you want to come to peace with that conflict in your mind, you need to hear what Moses and Jesus Christ and all the apostles were telling you. And stop holding in your mind the idea that you can covet your neighbor's goods through men who can exercise authority one over the other, while at the same time say that you're following Jesus Christ. Somebody has created an image of Christ that's just not the real image of Christ. And they've created it in your mind and allowed you to hold these two contradictory ideas in your mind at the same time, which will lead to more confusion. Which will lead to more anxiety, more conflict, more depression. And it will also lead to poorer health. Which will be attached from that state of emotional trauma and from the world itself. And of course that's what we see. We have more people. Uh, I know more people who died from the vaccine than I know who died from COVID. And the data is coming in every day. It's not being reported on CNN and MS and, and SBC, whatever, all those different um, programs. Uh, what were they saying? That there wasn't a single program on CNN that got more than 800,000 viewers. <laughs> Anomaly gets more than that. <laughs> but it's not enough to reject the lie. You have to receive the truth. And the truth is we've been going the wrong way. So in my side panel there, which we have very little time to go over, but I do, you know, I I point out that they talk about God not hearing us. And God told you he would not hear you. In lots of places, we have several links there to other articles that will have links to other places in the Bible where it says, go and cry unto the gods that you have chosen. Those gods are the men who decide what is good and what is evil. It's now evil not to wear a mask. It's now evil not to get a vaccination, according to those guys. I don't think that's true. And, and most of us here in the network don't think that's true. I, I think all of us in the network don't think that's true. <laughs> but I don't know. I uh, This is not a cult. That's always the question everybody wants. Is this a cult? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, Social Security is a cult. Go read the Imperial Roman cult. We have an article on that. That was the conflict with Christians, is that people were not signing up for their social welfare. That was the conflict with the Pharisees. Christ said their Corbin was making the word of God to none effect. fact. And when he fired the money changers, he reorganized the government to operate by faith, hope, and charity again, which is the way Moses originally intended it. And they didn't like that because they lost their power and control. You're not ready for that because you are not. You don't have a daily ministration. Your churches aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They have need of repentance. So in verse five, ye will not believe though it will be told to you. And I'm telling you, we are telling you. Our ministers are telling you. Our our people are telling you. The words here tell you. Verse 9 and 11, they shall come all for violence in putting this, his power unto his God. As you judge, so shall you be judged. If it's okay to take from others to get what you want, it's okay that others take from you to get what they want. And you can cry out to God all you want about the violence that people are doing against you, but you've been doing violence against your neighbor for decade upon decade. ...to get benefits at their expense. Or, you've simply been apathetic in doing what is righteous. Because both of them, you know, one is overt covetousness... ...and the other is covetousness by omission. Because you didn't come and care for one another. Can you imagine if you had 144 million Americans... ...who cared about one another as much as they cared about themselves... ...cared about one another's rights as much as they cared about themselves all these evil ideas and thoughts of taking away your rights would just flee like cockroaches. You don't even need 144 million. If you had 144,000, that would make a difference. Only about 5% of the Roman Empire became Christians, and it altered the course of history. Verse 13, he asks, When the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he... How is that coming about? That's because of all that sloth and apathy and avarice and greed and everybody else. God can put an end to that. Or you will be totally outnumbered and he will stand between you and all the armies of the Pharaoh. And But, you know, you need to join the network for us to get into some of the details of all that. And in the meantime, you're all caught up in this net... And cutting the net is not enough. You want to be in the net of Jesus Christ. uh, Because he is the fisher of men. But he doesn't operate by force. He operates by love. So, as we saw in chapter 1, verse 17 of Habakkuk, talks about men as the fishes of the sea. And, of course, that's right along what Christ is saying. Come, I will make you fishers of men. But it's a different kind of net. It's a a net of righteousness. It's woven with love for one another. And we've been too long away from that. We need to go back to that. Because for the last 50 years, our normal was not the normal of Christ. It was the normal of Nimrod. And we find ourselves in Babylon. So clearly the people are snared. And are trapped like merchandise of the fishmongers. We have followed the error of Balaam and Nicolaitan. And we have links there to articles so you know. Because they talk about the Nicolaitan is the error of the Balaam. And so what was the era of Balaam? What was the error of Nicolaitan? That's the conquered people. You're already conquered. You've already lost the battle. You're already in the bondage of Egypt. You've made covenants with the gods of the world, and now you feel the burden of that. You need to repent and seek the burden of Christ, which is to love one another. And he will deliver you from the pharaohs of the world. Not one at a time, but together. And great things are being done. You just have to get on the right side of prophecy. To become a part of those things. And a part of the righteousness of God. Seeking the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. So join us on the network. Until then, peace on your house. And may God be with you. Because you're going to need him. In the days to come. God bless.